Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Good morning again. Thank you, Donald, for reading. So a few weeks ago, I sat praying, as you do, eyes closed, waiting and asking God what I should speak about. And I had the most fantastic experience. I was suddenly surrounded by the most beautiful colour of green. This was a colour that I hadn't seen before. It was like being inside an emerald, but it was a deeper, different green. I can't really explain it to you. It was just wonderful. And there were sparkly lights around in the green. And afterwards, I was thinking to myself, so why emerald? Why that green? What do I know about emeralds? I looked up, what's an emerald? I know it's a precious stone, but the description I found said, a fine emerald must possess a pure, verdant green hue, but also have a high degree of transparency. Transparency, what does that mean? Well, it means to be able to transmit light. Hold that thought till later on. So as I was beginning to think about stones and think about the emerald being a precious stone, I wondered if emeralds were in the Bible. I can't say it came to my mind straight away where emeralds were in my Bible. But as we've just heard, as Donald read, they are in the Bible indeed. The foundations of the city wall were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald. Now, Revelation 21 is the last but one chapter of the Bible. And it shows us the things that will happen in the last days before Christ or as Christ returns. Now, it doesn't tell us when Christ will return, but it does and it is written to tell us to be ready for when Christ returns. It's a difficult book, isn't it? Many people have strong opinions about it or just leave it to one side. But Revelation was written for the seven churches they mentioned earlier in the book. Those seven churches of the early New Testament church that was forming after Jesus. And they were ordinary, everyday churches, just like we are here at Burlington. And put simply, the message is that God is doing a great work. He's got a long-term plan. We can't always see it. But here in Revelation, he gives us a glimpse of what he's going to do and a reminder that we are human and we're not God. We cannot always see, or what we see is not all that is happening very often, isn't it? But if we stay faithful and we persevere in our faith, we're promised a place in the new heaven and the new earth where we will enjoy God's presence forever. The holy city that we hear described, city of the living God, where all believers will be citizens, it will come down from heaven as God makes his home on the new earth. And we're given a fantastic description, as we heard Donald read. Detail of gates, walls, foundations, and emeralds were just one of the 12 stones decorating the foundations of the city walls. God is very specific about which stones he chose for this purpose. 
We'll come back to that later as well. So where else do we find emeralds in Scripture? Well, right at the other end of the Bible, in Exodus, when Moses is giving instructions, he's given instructions from the Lord to make sacred priestly garments for Aaron. One of the garments that God instructed to be made was the breastpiece. A piece of clothing that, as much as I can tell, seems to be a square with a hole in the middle, you know, a bit like a tabard for, for a child. But God is very specific about its size, the cloth it's to be made from, and the stones that are to be attached to it. Fashion a breastpiece for making decisions, it says. Then mount four rows of precious stones on it. First, carnelian, chrysolite and beryl. The second, turquoise, lapis lazuli and emerald. The third, jacinth, agate and amethyst. The fourth, topaz, onyx and jasper. And each of those stones was to be engraved with one of the 12 tribes' names. Even more importantly, those stones were to be over Aaron's heart when he went into the presence of God. Whenever Aaron enters the holy place, we hear, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastpiece of decision as a continuing memorial to the Lord. Now, both of these readings, Revelation and Exodus, show us that God is a God of amazing detail, doesn't it? The stones appear to be significant. They appear to signify people, to be symbols of God's holy people. God chose the stones himself. On their own, they were wonderful, but together they had new meaning and new purpose, either as part of God's city or as part of the breastpiece. In some ways, stones are like people, aren't they? All different. No two stones are the same. No two people are the same. All people have different purposes, different gifts, different talents. Yet, as God chose the stones, so he chose each person here today. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. And it's fitting, isn't it, that we speak about the Holy Spirit this morning because it's Pentecost. Pentecost is the day when we remember that the Holy Spirit came for the first time and filled each of the disciples, came in power on all those who believed in Jesus. And if you want to know more about that, have a look in Acts chapter 1 and 2. When we come to know Jesus, it's not through our own effort that we believe and have faith. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us because we're chosen and because God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. We are special. And God has often been at work in our lives long before we realise. It's only when we look back that we can see God has been there all of the time, even when we thought we were on our own. It's one of the questions this morning. Do you know deep down inside yourself this morning that you are chosen by God and that the power of the Holy Spirit is in you? I have brought some stones along this morning, which there's been lots of comments about. 
and they are at the ends of the pews. I'm afraid they're not emeralds. The Burlington budget, even the gift day, didn't quite run to that. So if you'd like to find those stones and pass them along your pews, for those of you that aren't in pews, somebody will deliver you some stones in a moment. I think um, my trusty assistant will pick up this bucket here and um, deliver stones in the corner. So... They're not for doing anything violent with or throwing about. So, apart from just a few people here, has everybody got access to a stone? I think, yeah. Anybody not got a stone? Raise your hand. Should be some up in the balcony there as well. There's definitely some on the on the pews there. Yeah. Excellent. Good. So as you hold your stone in your hand this morning, I want to invite you to think about this truth that God chose you. He didn't have to, but he wanted to. Let's just take a moment, shall we, to pray about that as we hold our stones in our hand. Father God, thank you that you chose each one of us, that you know us, that you love us, whoever we are, Wherever we come from, you love each one of us the same. No one is loved more or less than anyone else. And as we hold our stone in our hands, may we know that you hold us just like this. We are held tight in the palm of your hand. You don't let go. Thank you so much for choosing us to be your precious children. Amen. I'll tell you more about the stone later on. But the stones that you're holding, they're cold, aren't they? They're hard, they're lifeless. They can't give or receive. When stones are taken from a quarry, they're not ready for use, are they? And when gemstones are found in their original state, they're rough or raw. They're not the finished article. They need skilled workers who have to prepare them so they can be used for the purpose that they've been chosen. They must be cut to size. They must be chiseled. They must be polished. They must be sanded with fine tools until they're polished into flawless stones. Again, it's the same with people, isn't it? We don't stay the same, do we? We grow from children into adults and all the time we're changing. We need to be taught. We need to be shaped. If we look into Ezekiel, Ezekiel was speaking God's words to the people of Israel. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God was promising to restore them out of his grace and mercy. God was speaking about an inner change. What's the difference between a heart of stone And a heart of flesh beats, doesn't it? A heart of flesh beats. It's alive. Therefore, it's a living stone. Capable of pain, pleasure, emotion. Tender, not not hard. And the Bible speaks of Jesus as being the living stone. Chosen by God, precious to him. It also tells us that we are living stones. Being built, changed, shaped 
as we live out our faith. As living stones, we are being built into God's spiritual house, his temple. That's us being built together. Life is a journey, isn't it? Things happen to us. They're not always good. Life has highs and lows, joy and pain. We can't escape it. Every experience changes us slightly. We're transformed from the inside, from the heart. And the heart is where we make our decisions. Remember the breastpiece of Aaron? It was over his heart. Because the heart is the important place influences our decision-making. And if the attitude of our heart is right and full of love, then our decisions will be made out of that attitude of love. We're being built together into a spiritual house because we are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Remember the holy city with its foundation walls? Well, we're now being built, built on the foundation of all those who have gone before us, ready to take our place in the holy city when Jesus returns as the chief cornerstone of his spiritual building. But we're not finished yet. We're still being shaped and polished. How does God shape us? How does he polish us? I want to look in Colossians. Colossians 3, if you have a Bible, do turn to it if you want to. The beginning of Colossians chapter 3. It says in there, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Where God is seated at the right hand, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. So God wants to, to change our minds and our hearts. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. And then it goes on to give us instructions of the things that we need to leave behind. Things that we need to get rid of. Things that will shape us. It says sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. And a bit further down, rid yourselves of all such things as anger, Malice, slander, filthy language, which is swearing. Do not lie to each other. Instead, it gives us alternatives. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So here, in God's word, we have very clear instructions about how we are to be shaped as living stones polished so that we can shine and fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Take a moment to think, where is God shaping you at the moment? Which part of your life is God working in? Where has he got the brasso out? And he's getting a bit rid of, a bit of the rust, polishing you so you shine. So our journey so far this morning has shown that we have a God who is interested in the smallest details of the biggest project we can ever imagine his creation, and his chosen people. He chose precious stones for his holy city, just as he chose sons and daughters. And we're chosen to be living stones with hearts of flesh shaped into the likeness of Christ. 
We're not chosen to be on our own, but to be built together. If you think the earth is like God's quarry, he's chiseling away at us, isn't he? We walk with one another, parts of God's temple. We learn together, we share life together, we encourage each other, we disciple each other, we're sad together, we celebrate together. Living stones being transformed into the likeness of Jesus, all headed in the same direction. I began with the colour green, and I think God wanted to show me green because it's so significant in his creation. It so much symbolises renewal. Every year, as seasons move round, we see, don't we, the green of spring burst through out of the ground and from tree buds as God renews our gardens and the countryside after the winter cold. And God is saying that he can renew us, he can shape us, ready for when Jesus returns. And again, what we see is not all that is happening. The change is very much on the inside, not on the outside. Have you ever been in a situation when you can't see anything? Not so many weeks ago, Andy and I flew into Gibraltar. Does anybody know the runway in Gibraltar? It's very short. See at this end, see at that end. Road down the middle from Spain to Gibraltar that they close in order for the plane to come in. It's one of those where you sort of put your feet out as the plane breaks when it, when it lands. And of course, the runway is here, and there's a massive rock here. And you come in over Spain, round the rock, and in onto the flight plan. And as we flew in, it was thick fog. It wasn't just a bit foggy. As you looked out of the window, it was like somebody held a white sheet of paper. And I suddenly realised that I was looking out of my window, seeing nothing. So was the pilot. It was fun. We knew there was a big rock. And normally, if it's a bit foggy, as you start to descend, you do start to see the sea, or you do start to see the runway. Nothing. I have not been on such a silent flight for many years. It was absolutely quiet. You could have heard a pin drop. We came into land... And as we landed, everyone erupted in applause. And I haven't been on a flight like that before. It was quite um, amazing. But we had to trust that pilot. We had to stay calm. And it's like that in the spiritual realm. We cannot see. Life is like a flight sometimes where you can't always see what is going on. But if God is the pilot, which he is, he's not getting out of the cockpit And he has a plan, and he is on course, and he knows the destination. He knows how to get there, even if we cannot see. And Jesus is the beacon, isn't he? Perhaps like the radar that was guiding the... Jesus shines into that space, shining, showing us the way. And of course, the power of the Holy Spirit is the power that helps us to follow and to change. Remember, I spoke at the beginning about the emerald and its transparency? Well, all the stones chosen by God for the foundations of those 12 walls were anisotropic stones. Now, I know you all know exactly what that is. I've been practicing saying it. Anisotropism was only discovered about 50 years ago. 
It's what happens when you shine pure light through a precious stone. And of course, until recently, we didn't know about polarised light, laser light, all the different sorts of lights they can be. And when the Bible was written, no human knew that precious stones all fall into two groups. If you shine pure light through an isotropic stone, like a diamond or a ruby, it loses all its colour and turns black. Sorry, folks, if you're a diamond lover. If you do the same through an anisotropic stone, like a diamond, uh, sorry, through an anisotropic stone, then they transform light into every colour imaginable, every colour of the rainbow. All of the 12 precious stones that Donald read to us in the New Jerusalem were anisotropic stones. How amazing is that? Only God knew the properties of those stones. Only God knew when he gave John the words to write down that when the holy city comes, the colours that will shine from those stones because of Jesus' light and God's glory will be just amazing. More than we can ever begin to imagine. I just find that amazing. These details. So we know what awaits. We know we need to be ready. We don't know when Jesus will return. But we need to be ready to live as a living stone here, now, in this world. Jesus is the pure, perfect light of this world. And when we're joined with him, our cornerstone, our foundation, he shines on us and we can reflect his glorious light in this world. We're going to sing in a moment. Then we're going to watch a video and then we're going to move into communion. We're going to do that together as a sign that we are living stones. But first I just wanted to say that this morning is my last sermon this year and before Andy and I move to Setford ready for September. I couldn't afford emeralds. I bought you a white stone. Take it home. Write your name on it if you like. It's white. It symbolises that you have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Use it as a paperweight. Use it as a prayer stone. And as you do, remember and use it to remind you that you are like a precious stone. You have been chosen. You are being shaped. And you are a living stone. You are alive in the love and the promises of Jesus Christ, walking with the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Andy and I have a stone each too, and that will remind us that we're being shaped too, and that we're joined as living stones with all of you here as the wider body of Christ, wherever we are.